And today, uh, we're actually continuing on in our series uh, called Culture Wars. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, uh, we've been taking this journey through the book of 1 Peter. Today, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4. So if you have Bibles, a Bible app, you can open up to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, again, uh, we believe that church is more than just a 30-minute message on Sunday morning. And so we hope that you uh, have really just enjoyed uh, what we've been doing in this study as we've been kind of going through a book. There's something about uh, just kind of jumping into the Word of God and, and finishing something from start to finish, right? So hopefully you've enjoyed this series, but hopefully you've taken it further than just Sunday morning. Again, we believe that, that God's Word is living and active and it can penetrate all parts of our life, and so uh, we have tons of resources for you to engage with at PursueGod.org, so please check in that. Maybe uh, you're digging deeper with your family in a, a small group or maybe a mentoring relationship. Tons and tons and tons of resources for you. Uh, if you've been with us over the last uh, three weeks, we've really kind of been looking at this idea of the culture war uh, that the, the people or the Christians in the book of 1 Peter are experiencing, right? And there is this idea uh, that they were being asked to conform to the culture around them. And so we've been looking as outside influences have been uh, really impacting the way that they live, uh, uh, both in the culture, but also physically. Some of them are losing their life uh, because of what they're standing up for. And we have seen uh, that Peter is reminding them that despite all of the things that are happening, there is hope. Right, hope that these trials will one day end, that we are temporary residents in this world, and that one day we will be able to, as Christ followers, spend eternity in the presence of a holy, almighty God. Amen. That's what we long for, right? And so as we've been looking over the last three chapters, we're going to move now into chapter four, and Peter is going to start talking about a different kind of war, not a culture war that's happening from outside influences, but one really that kind of is happening within. Uh, in my Bible, uh, chapter four is titled Living for God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at this battle that we have within. How many of you have uh, experienced something that you've just really uh, struggled with internally? Maybe it was a situation uh, that you have in a relationship. It's a relationship that you know isn't a healthy one and needs to end. You know, maybe it's a conversation that you had to have with someone. <laughs> And you've kind of battled back and forth with what to say. Maybe, maybe it was a sin issue. You know, it's a, a habit that you've had that you know isn't a good habit. Maybe it's an addiction that you have that you know isn't a good habit. And there's this constant battle that we have within us, right? This, this battle within uh, that, that we have uh, when it comes to sin in general or this war that we have with lies and lust and pride and anger, all of these things, Right? And it's a war that we experience, not only within, but it's at home, it's in our workplace, it's in relationships, and there's this constant back and forth. You know, maybe you've felt this way. Uh, this is a guy uh, by the name of Paul. Many of you might know Paul. Paul is probably one of the most influential men in Christendom. And here's what he says about this war, and I wanted to start with this because maybe you have felt this way. I know that I have many, many, many times in my life, and you can find this if you just want to take a note in Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. It says, the trouble is with me, for I am all too human a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. 
Instead, I do what I hate. He goes a little bit further in verse 18, and he says, And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Again, he goes on to say, I, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong. Anybody ever felt this way, but we do it anyway? But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. You know, as I've been thinking about the book of 1 Peter and kind of going through the first three chapters and thinking about this idea of secularism and standing up against culture and how difficult that it really is, I begin to think, man, that even though that's very real, the culture war is very real, there is an even bigger, deeper, more problematic war that I experience every single day. Amen. Right? And no, no matter how hard I try, no matter the things that I do, or I might have control over it one day, but then the next day I fail over and over and over again, I do the things that I don't want to do, even though I know that they're wrong, right? Like the Apostle Paul is saying. And so we have to understand that there's this war within. And when we move into chapter four, Peter gives us direction. He gives us ways that we can win, that we can battle this war that we struggle within us every single day. And so here's the big idea that, that, that I really want to kind of highlight today as we go through uh, the first 11 verses in chapter 4, is that the culture war that we experience isn't just a battle that we fight on the outside, it's not just about standing up to culture. Really, there is a much deeper war that we have within us. It's a character war that we have where we first need to win the battle within. And so let's, uh, before we jump in, let's real quickly just pray one more time. God, I ask that you would uh, speak to our hearts. Lord Jesus, every single one of us in here struggle, much like the Apostle Paul, much like Peter, much like their audiences, we struggle with sin and so, God, I just pray that you would elevate uh, yourself in us, God, that you would bring to the surface maybe the things that we're holding on to or that we're, that we're needing to give to you today. God, every single one of us need to draw and connect nearer to you. Help us to win this war within. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you're taking notes with us, just really quickly, five things, uh, five ways that I think Peter says that we can win this battle that we struggle with, with within. And the first is this, very simple, we need to chase after God. We need to chase after God. Friends, if, if you don't get anything in this message over the next 20 or so minutes, if you don't get anything at all, we need to understand that if we want to win in the battle of sin, if we want to overcome sin in our lives, the only one, the only way is to go to Jesus Christ. That's it. The Bible very clearly says that every single one of us have this battle, this sin within us, and that sin separates us from God. And so in order for us to be made right in the eyes of God again, in order for us to defeat sin, in order for us to be forgiven of our sin, we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus left the comfort of heaven. He, he is perfect in every way. He is God in the flesh. He stepped into a sin-filled world, lived a sinless life, a life that none of us could live, and he did that so that we could be in relationship with God again. Well, he, he gave his life. He went to the cross, and he died 
Because he was God, he defeated death, and he rose to new life. And the Bible says that if we put our faith in him, our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And so when we understand that, 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 that if we go after God, that our lives will be changed, we then can move into what Peter says. Listen to what he says in the, uh, the first, first two verses of chapter 4. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. Now remember, uh, they're being persecuted, some to the point of losing their life. And so he's, he's talking about, uh, right after the latter parts of chapter 3, he's talking about how Jesus gave his life. And so what he's saying is that as Christ suffered, we too, if we are Christ followers, we're going to suffer too. And then he goes on to say, for if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You will not spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, chasing our own desires, the things of this world. Instead, we will be anxious to do the will of God. First thing we need to understand is that being a follower of Jesus Christ is not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. Living against the cultural norms is not easy. Being someone who is going after God and finding out what pleases him and doing those things, it's not easy. It's going to hurt both physically and spiritually. And so we need to understand that, that it's not going to be easy. Sin, living a life of sin and leaving that sin, is gonna, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be this pull to want to go back. But here's the thing. We need to understand that it's not about chasing our old ways, our old desires any longer. Instead, it's chasing after God. You know, um, one, th one thing, uh, the Apostle Paul, he, he points it this way, and I, I really think this is just a, a powerful imagery of what he says in Galatians chapter 5, in verse 24 and 25. It's, he says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the, the flesh with its passions and desires. I mean, there's this picture that leaving our old way of life is, is a very difficult thing. But here's what happens when we do that. It says that if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The Bible says that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit then takes residence in us, God's very presence, and he gives us the power to go after God. He gives us the power to have our lives renewed, to overcome sin, to overcome the pull of the world. And so what the apostle Peter is saying, he's saying, listen, it's not going to be easy. It's actually going to be very difficult. But the way that we, the number one way that we can overcome the power and the pull of sin in our life is to put Jesus Christ above all things, including earthly desires. And so as we kind of move forward, Peter says, he kind of adds on to this idea of chasing God. He then says this, that we need to stay away from destruction. Very clearly in, his, in, in the word, it says that we need not to plunge into destruction. I remember uh, when I gave my life to Christ, I was uh, just out, outside of high school. I was kind of a young man, and I lived a really, really, really bad past. I had a lot of bad relationships. I had a lot of really bad addictions, and, and God got a hold of my life. And I remember this, this pull, I knew that God had radically transformed me. He had changed my life. He had given me something that I had been looking for for about eight, 18, almost 19 years. But then there was this pull to go back to the old life. 
There was relationships that I had, uh, both with friends and with, with girlfriends and, and relationships with narcotics. Like there was this pull, and it was difficult for me to leave that lifestyle. And so here's what Peter said, and, and I think he realized just how hard it really is for us, how, how it really was hard for them as they left uh, one way of living into a new way. Listen to what he says in verse 3. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. Peter was talking to a culture that was dealing with a lot of these things. And isn't it true that we as a culture deal with a lot of these things too, right? All you have to do is turn on the TV and we experience these all, all, all the time. Uh, social media, we experience this all of the time. And what Peter is saying is like, look, you need to move away from that kind of lifestyle. You need to clearly move away from a lifestyle of sin, not plunging into the old way of living or into the cultural way of living, but instead you need to pursue God's way of living. And we do that with his presence inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, my, uh, my wife and I, we were on a trip with my son. He was traveling for soccer, and, and he was in Tucson. And so we thought, man, we'd never been to Tucson before, so we were going to stay at the University of Arizona. Like, we're thinking, we're just going to go all in. We wanted to go and kind of see the sights a little bit. So we chose a hotel that was right in the middle of the campus. And let me just tell you, that was the worst thing we ever did in our entire lives. I mean, it was bananas. We stuck out like a sore thumb. And I like to think that I'm... You know, I'm a little bit older, but I'd like to think I'm a little hip, but I was in the middle of something crazy. I mean, it was, clothing was optional. I mean, here you have me and my wife walking around, the old, these old people, gray beard, and clothing was optional. She's like, keep your head down, don't look here, right? Like, all of this stuff, it was crazy. And then uh, there were parties going on till four, we were there for the weekend. It was like four o'clock in the morning, and all you could hear is, it's like, what? That gets old after a few hours, right? Like, surely that's not fun anymore, right? And, and all of these things happen, and, and I thought, man, this was so terrible, and the very last night we were there, it was about 4.30 in the morning, we're on the ninth floor, and all, we, all of a sudden we hear this massive commotion going on. And so we're looking over the window at what's going on down there, and there's this massive fight going on. And I just said to my, son, my, my wife, I said, honey, I am so sorry. You know, we'll never do this again. But here's what's crazy, is we were in the middle of a culture where this was all okay. Normal. <laughs> normalized. Like, we party till 4.30 in the morning. We don't wear any clothing. We fight. Listen, I'm a lover and not a fighter, but it's crazy what is accepted. And so here, here's what we need to understand, that some of us maybe have engaged in some of these things that he's talking about, you know, and maybe some of us struggle with those things, but, but there's even something more. And I think it's not just these major sins, which, which are very, very bad, but I think it's even the little sins that we have in our life. All sin is destructive. Lies, gossip, anger, being a Green Bay Packer fan, those are all really bad sins that we need forgiveness and we need to forgive them for too, amen? But, but what we need to understand is like not the major things, even the little things separate us 
from God. Sin separates us from a holy God, and you see when those sins happen to us, they compound and they get bigger and they push us further and further away from God. And here's what Peter is saying. Listen, when you chase after God and your life is changed and you have a new identity, you're a new creation, you no longer have to live that way anymore. Instead, you can live in a way that gives you the fruits of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, self-control, and being an Atlanta Falcons fan, right? Like, all of those things, that's, that's who I am. But I think it's important for us to understand, like, what Peter was saying to them. Yeah, th- this culture war is going on. Do not conform. But he's saying, I think there's a bigger war, and that war is right in here. <laughs> and this is how we overcome it. We chase after God, the way of God. We don't go back to the old way of living, even though people are going to pull us and challenge us and, and say, listen, I, where's the old Chris? <laughs> See, God says that you're a new creation, a new identity, and now you can live to honor me. And when you do, you'll experience peace beyond anything that you could even begin to imagine. Here's another way that I think that we can overcome uh, the war within, and it's this, is that we need to be connected to God. We need to sharpen our prayers. We need to sharpen our prayers. Much like we've talked about twice today, prayer is very powerful. It's the way that we connect with God. You know, as I've been kind of studying and doing research on uh, the book of First Peter, uh, one thing that I've looked into is like social media. How many of you in here have had some form of social media? That's probably the majority of us, yeah? Like we're, we're all raising our hands. Uh, four billion people out of 7.8 billion, I think is the number of people in the world today, have some form of of social media. That's like 60% of the world. That's a big, huge number. And imagine 60% of the world being bombarded with secularism, with what the culture says is okay. That's, that's pretty serious, right? Now, here's what's even more alarming than that. Most of us have um, an iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, we'll be praying for you to switch over because it's the greatest thing ever. But most of us have this iPhone, and it has this thing called settings. And in settings, you can go to screen time. And if you go to screen time, you can actually see how much time you're spending on the screen, and then you can go even deeper to go to social media. I'm not going to ask you to share with us how much you've been on social media, but here's what studies say. Out of all of the people that have some form of mobile communication or have some form of, you know, social media, three hours a day is spent on social media. Now, that's a lot. Because most of us are up, you know, maybe 12, 13, 14 hours a day. Uh, that's a, a lot of time on social media. And so if we're pouring all this time into that, imagine what's going to influence us. But here's what I began to, to, to start thinking. Imagine, just imagine, if even half of those people were followers of Christ, or maybe even a quarter of those people were followers of Christ. Imagine if we cut that three-hour time frame in half and spent that amount of time connecting with the living God. I mean, just, just think about that for just a moment. If we spent a portion of our time with, with focusing and connecting with God, the one who gives life, the one who empowers us, the one who gives us direction, the one who gives us our identity, the one who answers questions, the one who shows us the right way of living. Imagine if we spent that time connecting with him. Would you begin to imagine what he would begin to do in our lives? And how much more connected would we be to the source and to the giver of life, the one who created life? You see, here's what's crazy is Peter was saying, look, we have to chase God. We have to run. But here's the, one of the most important things. 
He says you have to sharpen your prayer. You have to be connected with God. Listen to what he says in verse 7. He says the end of the world is coming soon. Now, I think he says that to to show them how important this is. I mean, here we are some 2,000 years later. We're still here, right? How much more does it feel like today that our world is coming to an end, right? And, And how much more do we need to pray? But I think what he was saying here is he was trying to get their attention. And then he goes in, there's this phrase, therefore. So if Jesus is coming back, if the end of the world is coming, if all of the things that we're experiencing, the persecution, the suffering, the wars, the rumors of wars, all of these things that are happening, how much more should we then therefore be connected to the giver of life, the one who is in control? Therefore, he says, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. It's a sense of urgency. And I think what he's saying is that prayer is important. Connecting to God is important. In fact, I think what he's saying is prayer should be our first resort. <laughs> it should be the thing that we do that we should be connected with God. You know, one of my, my favorite verses uh, in, in the Bible is in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. And it talks about prayer. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. I think for many of the world, over the last, I don't know how many years, there's been a lot of anxiety. (laughs) He says, do not be anxious about anything, but instead, in every situation, by prayer and petition, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when we do that, when we connect to him and when we go to him and everything that we do, it says that we will then experience a peace that transcends human understanding. It will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You know, maybe you're like me, and it's really, really easy to pray when you need something, right? When, when it's a disaster or destruction or, or something's happening in your life, it's, God, I need you to do something. God, I need you to do this. You know, the police officer just pulled me over. God, just don't give me a ticket this time, right? Like, God, step in. But God, if we read his word, he's saying, I want to be connected to you in all things, in everything, the highs and the lows, when, when you're fearful and when you're joyful in everything, in every situation, even the impossible, in the broken marriage, in the disease that is life-taking, I want you to be connected to me and I want you to trust me in all things. And you see, what Peter was saying is in the midst of persecution, in the midst of a battle within sin, we can go to God. We can say, God, this is what's going on. God, would you step in here? God, would you do the impossible? God, would you fix what's broken? But ultimately, God, would I trust and believe that you are in control? And I'm so thankful for that. And the Bible says that when we do that, as we're connected to God, the source of life, then we will have joy and peace that goes beyond anything that compares Next thing I think we can do in the uh, battling the world within, and the last two we'll quickly run through these, is to show love in practical ways. Now, this is what's crazy because when we're bombarded uh, with the culture or we're standing up in the midst of adversity or we're struggling with a sin within, what's our natural response, right? We, we kind of want to isolate. <laughs> you know, I don't feel like really loving my neighbor in the midst of persecution, right? I don't really feel like stepping out and loving someone when right now I don't really even love myself or the things that I'm engaging in, right? Like, so we isolate. But here's what's so important. Why, why is love important to show acts of love in the midst of adversity and trial? Number one, because God commands it. 
And number two, I think it puts this perspective of other people, loving other people, beyond ourselves. You know, Jesus was being, uh, he was being, combated by some very religious leaders as he was teaching that the Sadducees and then the Pharisees come in, the religious elite, and they're trying to trick him. And they said, Jesus, what's the most important command? What's the most important thing that we should do? And he said, well, I'll tell you. We'll go back to what your scriptures say. You know in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, where it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says, here's something that's equally important. The second thing is equally as important. He says to love others as you love yourself. Friends, the way that we battle the culture and the way that we battle the things that we struggle within is to understand that, that we need to love God and love others. Listen to what Peter says in verse 8. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. This idea of love and loving one another and being connected in community and caring about one another and and sharing difficulties and trials and loving one another through it, that is a way that we overcome sin in our life. That's a way that we overcome the battle with the culture around us. He says this, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. I mean, that's just a practical way that some of us can do this. If we serve a God of love, which I believe we do, the Bible says that his character is love, then we need to love him and love others. We need to be, uh, we need to, to be it needs to be visible that our lives show love and kindness and care, uh, caring and forgiveness, right, in our marriages, in our relationships with our kids, in our relationships with our coworkers. We need to be defined by love, And so how do we overcome our selfishness and our sin? I think we need to love other people. And that's what Peter is saying. That's what he's saying here in verse 8 and 9. Your love covers a multitude of sins. He expands that, and this is kind of the, the, the last part in verse 10 and 11. He says this, to use your spiritual gifts. He gives us practical ways, share a, your home, you know, a meal with someone. But then he says something that I think everyone in here needs to understand. God specifically created every single one of us individually with a gift, an ability, something to be used to point people to him. Every single one of us, and every single gift is important. Every single gift is valuable, and God wants us to use it to serve others. Again, I think when we're in the midst of of tragedy and and difficulty or whatever it is in our life, I, I don't think that's the natural response. But Peter says, listen, you have a responsibility. If you are a Christ follower in here, your life has been changed, your identity has been changed, and you have something to offer. You can serve others and point them to him. We'll end with this in in verse 10 and 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. We don't have time to jump into every passage, but all throughout scripture we see God giving spiritual gifts to to individuals. Very, very clearly. And, And every time we see this idea of spiritual gifting, it's used to serve others. It's used to point other people to Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. Peter says there's a couple different varieties of gifts. There's a teaching gift and there's a helping gift. 
Right? If, if you're a teacher, you know, teach to the best of your ability. And, and some of these teaching gifts are, you know, maybe it's speaking. Maybe it's teaching in kids' church. Maybe it's teaching in kids' church. Maybe it's teaching in kids' church, right? I mean, we walk into this board and we see uh, the, the, all of these gaps open. Our next generation need to hear your gift to hear how God has changed your life, to hear how God is a God of love and who cares about them and who wants to empower them to change the world. You know, maybe it's the gift of discernment or comforting or counseling. I mean, we have the ability to use those gifts to serve. Maybe it's a, a more practical gift. You know, it's, it's helping out with finances or organizing or planning or type A or meeting needs, whatever it might be. Peter says we all have a gift and we all need to use it. And one of the ways that we defeat the battle within and outside is to love and to serve other people. And I, I don't think there's any greater example of this, and we can end with this today. It's this. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, he says this. I mean, Jesus, I think about Jesus, who is in heaven being worshiped. Full of, full of glory and honor. He stepped from heaven to earth so that we could experience him. And he didn't do that to say, hey, let me show you the way. Instead, what he said is, let me be the ultimate example. It says, so even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, the greatest example of loving others is what Jesus did for you and for me on the cross. May we not just hold on to that for ourselves, but instead, that life change, would we allow it to reach all others around us. I know Pastor John would love to share with you how easy it is to put your faith in Jesus and to have your life changed so that you can start impacting others today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for your word, that it's life-changing and transformational, Lord Jesus. God, this, this message today, uh, it's clear that every single one of us need you God, we need you more than anything in our life. God, we need you more than any relationship. We need you more than any you know, thing that we're struggling with. We need you more than any job that we have. God, we need you because our eternal life depends on it. And so God, for those in this room uh, who have been struggling or here today and investigating you, God, would you show them your love that surpasses anything that they're going through? And may they make the, op- make the step to put their faith in you today. God, for those of us who are Christ followers, may we take the next step in loving others as you have loved us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.